On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwin' Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery and Michael Verney is off today, but I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Vincent Hogan and Frank Roach and on the line by tip legend Brendan Cummins. And Vincent, we'll start with the hurling and Tipperary are flying, something you didn't exactly predict before the championship. I don't mean to drag up some of your, some of your maybe less enlightened uh, pre-championship predictions, but you did think they would struggle, you were, you were nervous, you were worried about a number of areas, but they've notched 100 points across three games, three emphatic wins. Uh, what, what has been your read on what's gone, what's gone on in the first few weeks? I have to hand it to Liam Sheedy and the boys. They clearly had the long game in mind all through. And I, and I think you look back at the league now, I suspect... like The thing that struck me very, very forcibly in Ennis on Sunday was their physical conditioning. I've never seen a, a tip team in better physical condition. And what that leads to is there's a work rate in that team from 15 right back to, to, to Brian Hogan, that is extraordinary. And I think those tip lads, hand on heart, if they looked at their performances last year, they would have said that work rate wasn't in the team. I've mentioned before, Bubbles looks a different player. His physical shape is different. So I have to hand it to, to Liam, and obviously the Eamon O'Shea factor is there as well with the forwards. My big concern, Will, was that I felt they were going to the well with the same players, and that on the evidence of last year, I felt those players looked maybe a little bit tired and they needed an injection of pace, which is the thing that I was speaking about. And there's none of the under-21 teams has yet stepped up to that mark where they can start for Tipperary. And I thought that's where Tip will struggle. But what Tip have achieved is they've reinvented these brilliant hurlers that we have by creating this work rate in them. And, and, and they have the physical condition... To, to have that work rate. And they literally just bust Claire off the pitch in Ennis on Sunday. It was hugely impressive. and But the, the innate pessimist in me, and I'm the kind of fellow who is a Liverpool fan, when Divock Origi scored in Madrid the other night, I'm thinking, if Spurs get a goal in the next 60 seconds, they could draw this. <laughs> I'm looking at Tip and I'm saying they have three huge performances on, on the record already by the 2nd of June. It's very early. I'm not sure they have a huge impact to come off the bench, but hats off to Liam Sheedy and the boys. It's been magnificent so far. Yeah, it's interesting, Frank, how good they've been. You know, where do you give the credit to? Do you give it to some of the players who've clearly looked at themselves after what was a very disappointing championship last year and you know worked a lot harder, as Vincent says, or do you give it to Liam Sheedy coming back in, you know, galvanising them once again like he did all you know ten years ago? Well, the manager is always the starting point, and then you have to get the players to respond to it, and it's quite clear that they have. You mentioned Bubbles' physique, like. 
uh, first round of the championship against Cork, you could see it. Like he he looks a different man. But but allied to that, and I suppose you have to get the fitness in first. Is their their touch looks superb? I mean, one hundred percent. Patrick Bonner-Maher, uh probably at times when he's coming back from layoffs or injuries, it's it's not quite there at the start. You saw how he was taking balls on the turn and at pace. Uh, I think for a point in the first half, but uh, but for the goal in the second as well. And he's vital to that forward line because when Bob, uh, when Bonner is flying, he gives them that physical dimension and that ball-winning dimension. But as Frank says, he's spot on. Bonner's touch is just on the money now. And you looked at him in the league, you said, God, Bonner's really struggling. I'm not sure he's going to make the team this year. Again, the long game was in mind and, and they've got their hurling on the money at the moment. And you see, actually, the confidence is flowing from it as well. It was I, know I was at a different match on Sunday, but watching the Sunday game, uh, I think it was the point that John McGrath got where he flicked the ball backwards to his brother Noel. Between his legs. Between his legs, continued the run on. Noel picked this fabulous 40-yard pass into his hand over the bar. And like th- that just tells you players are so in the zone and so confident in their own touch and what their teammates are doing as well. Yeah, we're bringing Brendan Cummins on the line now. And Brendan, there's so much positives. But as Vincent says there, is there like any worry that I guess they've been too good too soon? There's a long way to go left in the championship. Tipperary oftentimes, you know, complacency can be an issue. I saw even your going column today, you barely referred to them. You, you tried to focus on Clare and Waterford. You didn't really want to, to talk too much about your own county. So is that any danger that maybe they have been so good that, that it might be hard to sustain this? No, I think the, the, the Liam Sheedy model and, and Eamon O'Shea is, is constantly looking for perfection. And you're never going to find it. But if your constant aim is to get to it, then it doesn't matter what the opposition do. You're always worried about yourself, the way you play. And that kind of, I suppose, excellence has been fed through the team. It took us a couple of years to, to cop on to what Eamon wanted to do. But I always felt, and I said, and I called him the start of the championship, Tip would blaze through Munster. Because the lads, when they hear Eamon O'Shea talk, it just lights them up. It's as simple as that. And and even, you know, looking at the way the players respond, I knew during the league they had an awful lot of work to do. They were about three or four months behind everybody else in their in their conditioning. They've worked out all that. But Tipperary's lack of pace, and this was being touted around the place at the start, the ball moves faster than anybody. So if you can spin the ball 30, 40 yards to hand, a guy only needs to be a yard off his man and put out his hand and the ball goes into it. And that's been the key for Tipperary. They've taken... A lot of the tactics sports and throwing them out the window, movement, rotation of forwards, giving you a different angle of attack all of the time. The ball going in has an angle on it as well, and defences are, are really struggling. Couple that with a physicality and a driving determination that the lads know that they're down the home straight in their careers. They know they won't have as sweet a management team as what they have ever again, and they're just making hay now at the moment. So... We can't complain. I can appreciate where Vincent is coming from, but Tipperary are a momentum team. They have it now, and I know with Liam Geedy in charge, there is no way that those players will get any way lackadaisical or feel they've arrived or landed because he's always raising the bar inside there. He's getting the response. It'll be interesting to see what happens actually in the last game against Limerick. I think he'll go all out to try to beat Limerick as well, even though we might end up playing him again in a Munster final. But uh, either way, Tipper are sitting in a fantastic position and, and really the polar opposite to where I suppose Clare and, and especially Watford are at the moment. Yeah, I've been to an interesting point Brendan raises there about that game against Limerick in the last round because it could already be the tipper already in or I think barring a mathematical miracle they pretty much are anyway. So with that ageing player group, you know, Liam has a decision to make. Does he want to maybe rest a couple of them against Limerick to play Limerick again, you know, two weeks after that or a week after that when the game is 
it's an interesting dilemma he has because if he goes all guns blazing again, you know, it'll tire. It could tire out the legs, you know, with a long summer to come. Yeah, well, this was put to Liam on on Sunday in Ennis uh, after the match, and uh, he says it's no dilemma at all. You keep going, and I agree with I agree with Brendan there that. Like, if you look historically at Tipperary, when they've won All-Irelands, it has been a m- momentum year. They just get on a roll, and, and when Tipper are on a roll, they're, they're, they're very hard to stop. I think for those players to go and, and beat the All-Ireland champions in Thurles on Sunday week would be a, a massive thing. And they won't be thinking about the Munster final. Be, they, they'll be thinking, we, we lay down a marker, Limerick are the one team, they, they beat us last year. They're still, they're still the, the measuring point for any Body who's serious about winning the Liam McCarthy this year. So I, I, I don't think, you know, certainly listening to Liam and Ennis, there's no way they'll be holding anything back. They'll just drive on now and, and keep going. Gee, Especially as, I mean, if they beat Limerick, it, it, it will, it might, A, well, put them out of a Munster final, B, could potentially put them out of the championship. We don't know what way, mm. you know, what way the cards will be falling, falling at that well, stage. Well, that's the really interesting thing about this Munster championship that if, as we assume, Cork beat Waterford on Saturday night, Limerick could be out of the championship if Clare beat them on Sunday, isn't that right? So, so, so yeah. yeah. So, so like, I, I would say John Kiley is tickled pink by people talking about Tip against Limerick on Sunday week when they have this Clare game coming up on, in the Gaelic grounds on Sunday, which could knock them out of the championship potentially. Well, then what of Clare of interest? Because reading your report, a few things stuck out to me. You know, their forward play wasn't great. You know, Tony Kelly was marked out of it by Brendan Maria. You know, Shane O'Donnell scoreless, John Conlon scoreless. That's a recipe for a defeat in any game. Uh, and then you mentioned obviously the issue with the sweeper that they maintained Colin Galvin in that sweeping role, even though they were they were pretty you know far behind at that stage. So it, it seemed to be you know from from you know start to finish a very poor kind of outing for them. Yeah, look, uh, and again, there's big focus on the fact that Colin Galvin was back there as an extra defender when they were eight or nine points down and playing with the wind at their backs. The bottom line, and I keep going back to this, and every time I've done this this podcast, will is. Systems don't matter if your work rate and physicality is not up to scratch. And all of the Clare players I spoke to, former Clare players, current Clare players, they felt they were just bossed off the field physically. So, like, if you look at, for Jerry O'Connor and Donald Maloney, they're saying, OK, we're playing that man back. That could still work if your use of the ball is smart enough. Their use of the ball had to be if you're playing Galvin back there as an extra defender, you've got to work the ball up the field. You've got to play it in short passes and find your man all of the time. But by having Galvin back there, they gave Tip the option of an extra defender who, naturally enough, they pick Porygmar. That still wouldn't have been a problem if Clare played the right ball up, but they were hitting high ball up. And Porig was just taking three steps left, three steps right, plucking it out of the air. They hadn't a hope when that was happening. And Brendan, just uh, I saw you say that you think that Clare were overcoached as well, um, which I thought was an interesting uh, point. Uh, what, what what specifically do you think leads you to that conclusion? Well, you see, I think Clare last year, like they they're renowned for these big long video sessions, right? And I think at times, if you look at like take the Tipperary model as a point that was made, the players are given a sense of what you're trying to achieve. We give the ball to man in a better position. We hit everything that moves, and we push up on the puck out. But there's nothing prescriptive. There's not that five should be standing 50 yards from goal, 10 yards in from the sideline when two has the ball. And I just think that looking at Clare, they're thinking their way through the game and the abandonment freedom is gone. Tony Kelly is obviously being told to play deep. He's playing too deep. He's in his full back line playing against the wind. What I think should have happened is actually that Clare should have put Tony Kelly on the edge of the square and said, let's see how Brendan Mark can play at full back. 
but they have him in this box to this silo now that Tony plays at 11 and he drifts back towards his own half of the field rather than pushing up. The puck out is another one. I mean, a structured play like Don Dewey last year in the Alarm semi-final against Galway. The game was nearly over thanks to the puck outs in the first 15 minutes of the game. Tipperary and they've caught every team so far they've played. Cork, uh, Watford and now Clare. They push up on the puck out and they tell you, go on, hit it long, can you win your own ball? And when Tip did that, Don Dewey still insisted on trying to walk through the famous game plan of playing through their own 65. And everyone thinks that when you get the ball in your own 65, you can run through Tipperary. And you can't, because the reality is that they have Paddy Maher sitting back a little bit on every single puck out because the work rate of Bonner and all the boys is so good. And Tipperary then will give you five yards to the wing back and say, go on, hit them, I dare you. Kilkenny used to do that to me for years. You used to always have Owen Larkin, TJ Reid and Henry. They'd stand just far enough off the half-back to say, go on, hit it them. And when you hit it them, and if it's any way wrong, they pounce, they turn you over and put it back over the bar. And I think that's been the issue with Clare. They're trying to tic-tac their way through teams. They have two-thirds of the scores. The two-thirds of the shots on their goal during the league came from when a Clare fella had the ball he was turned over. They hadn't learned from that statistic playing in the championship and tipped it the exact same thing to them again. And they just need to change, unfortunately, if they're going to get any further in the championship. And I don't see change coming. Yeah, Frank, so it sounds like a lot of problems there for the banner. Do, do you think with, the, with two games left in, in the Munster uh, campaign for them, can, can they turn things around? Oh, well, they can. They're still in the race. They've got two points. But I suppose uh, with twenty twenty hindsight, we can probably look back at the Walsh Park, Park game where Clare seemed to play very well mm. and, and they bossed that match nearly for its entirety. But they only ended up, you know, falling over the line. And, and given what we've seen from Waterford since you know, maybe that tells us something that Clare are still a long way off. Um, like, they've some hugely talented forwards, we all know that, but are they going to pull out? They're going to need at least one win from their last two games. Yeah, I think I think Frank is spot on there. That like, And Brendan and I were both down to that game in Walsh Park. Like, Clare were so superior for most of that game, and next thing, last five minutes, Waterford nearly survived. And it, you're just gonna, you walk away scratching your head and saying, how the hell did that happen? But that, that's been the history of this Clare team in recent years, that they can get on top of a team, but they don't put them to the sword. They don't kill them. And, uh, you know, I, I still go back to last year in the, in the semi-final against the, the replay against Galway and Aaron Shanahan coming on late and that shot that hit the post in Semple Stadium. They were so close. But, you know, they should have brought probably Shanahan on 10 minutes earlier and I, I think they'd have won that game but they're, they're just leaving opportunities behind them and Frank you mentioned that Waterford game firstly Ed for, for them it's been a you know a hum- a humiliating championship to try a 20 point defeat at the weekend I think an 18 point defeat before that them and Tip have both played three games each Waterford have scored 50 points Tip have 100 points scored uh, they're now eight games without a win in the championship it, it's just been a disastrous campaign yeah I mean we talk clear at problems you know I mean it's it's a very sad state of affairs and uh, as I say, eight matches, I think seven defeats, one draw. You cast your mind back to the third quarter of the All-Ireland final in 2017. They're one point up. They've battled back from a disastrous start against Galway. Kevin Moran has a, a routine enough chance to put them two points up and he misses it. And in a way from there, it's been it's been downhill all the way. I mean, they had so many, they had so much bad luck last year. It, it was unbelievable. I mean, a litany of injuries, the ghost goal against Tip, uh, loss of home advantage, and and in a way that that any number of alibis there, they don't have those, they don't have those excuses this year. Um, 
and I'm not privy to what's going on behind the scenes, whether the the, 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 the squad just aren't adjusting to life under a new manager. It was clear the bond there between uh, the players and Derek McGrath was, was something special. Um, but, I mean, the, the Sunday game on Sunday night, Donalo Cusick and Henry were, were damning. And it was in a, in a way, it was rare to hear uh, TV pundits being that, you know, that critical of an amateur team. But but there was probably a lot of Waterford fans maybe who felt the same like because it did look in a way, not say downing of tools, but, you know, there certain players there clearly was a lack of effort. There were disciplinary issues that one player sent off, could have been more. Uh, and, you know, the scoring difference, minus 39 after three matches. There was a, an extraordinary statistic from that game. I don't know how accurate it is. And if I'm reading it right, the statistic was, I think it was on the Sunday game, they brought it up, 66% of their possessions they were turned over in. Now, that to me is not damning of Porrick Fanning. It's damning of players' attitude. And, and it strikes me that there's something a bit similar going on here with Waterford to what happened with Dublin when... They went from one style of manager, who was the arm across the shoulder, Anthony Daly, to Ger Cunningham. And it was chalk and cheese in terms of their managerial approach. And suddenly, everything was wrong about Ger Cunningham. And Ger Cunningham, people who know Hurling know Ger Cunningham is an outstanding coach, but a very different kind of man-manager to what Daly was. The same thing is happening here where there was this friendship and bond with the, for the players had with Derek McGrath. And Park Fanning comes in now, I know from talking to Davy Fitz how sharp a hurling brain Porrick Fanning has. That's why he brought him in as a selector at Waterford. The two had been at hammer and tongs on the line in LIT versus WIT Fitzgibbon matches over the years. He brought him in. He was so impressed by him with Waterford, he brought him with him to Wexford. So the idea that Porrick Fanning doesn't know what he's doing is nonsense here. The, the, the Waterford players have got to look in the mirror and say, what were we at last Sunday? Because their application was so far off the scale. And that statistic of 66, 66% of your possessions are turned over, that, that, that's utterly damning for players applying themselves. And, and for Fanning to have to do what he did at halftime, taking off Aston Gleeson, his own clubmate, taking him off at halftime and putting on Brick Walsh, he's in a horrible position now. And nobody's given them a prayer of going down and, and, and getting a win in, in Cork, which won't rescue their season probably anyway. But... God, if there's anything in them, they owe it to themselves. They owe it to, to respect themselves to go down to Cork and put in a performance this weekend. Well, Brendan, just on, on some of the stuff Vincent raised there, I thought your, your piece today was very interesting. You know, you likened maybe Pork Fanning's situation to when Nicky English was replaced by Michael Doyle and just things just didn't go right. And I think collectively everyone decided that it was best to have a break after just one season. Like you mentioned that you think there's a toxic atmosphere in the, in the Waterford dressing room now, which I guess is a, is a big way of describing what's gone on. Well, there is. I mean, like uh, the Watford had a had a meeting to choose before the Tipperary game, which was crisis meeting number one. I think there were two hours in the dressing room after Tipperary me- game, crisis meeting number two. And any more than one crisis meeting, in my experience, in 20 years playing with Tipperary, whenever we had a second crisis meeting, it was all over and that was the end of our year. And Watford really, they do on both sides of the fence. I mean, I think the, the argument from the player side is that they're not given clear, specific roles. They don't really know what they're doing. For me, they're a long time in the game. A lot of those players have played in our Ireland finals. They did down tools uh, when Ireland, um, when the, the goal, the Limerick player got the, hit the roof of the net. Aaron Gillan hit the roof of the net. 
you could see it all around the pitch, Stephen O'Keefe decided to go along with the puck outs, even though it was completely the wrong thing to do. And they just meandered their way through the game. It happened 15 minutes ago in the Tipperary match. I hinted on the Sunday game that night. I didn't want to be disrespectful to the players. I said, look, maybe, maybe I'm doing them an injustice here and that they, they, they gave up. Uh, but really, the below in Welsh Park in their own back garden, they didn't put in the performance of the shift, structured or non-structured. We talk about Clare and the way they want to have structured play. I mean, the least you can do is chase and harry and, and try to do everything you can to win the match. But that simply wasn't there down in Welsh Park. And it's going to be really interesting now um, to see what happens next. And it's sad, like, because in fairness to Bobby Fanning, I walked him above and leash. He is, like Vincent said, he's really, really good structured. He knows the game inside out. He's been involved in very professional setups like Dave Fitzgerald. Say what you like about Davey. His, his attention to detail is absolutely meticulous. So Pauly will have learned a lot from that. But they just haven't gelled. And I don't know what's going to happen below uh, in Cork next weekend. All I think is at the moment it's not going to be pretty down the rider because the players have completely decided now that this isn't going to work and um, they're just proving themselves right in their performance. Like. It's, some, it's some transformation from last year's Munster Championship where every game... Uh, you know, it was drama upon drama. What was going to happen this week? Uh, it just shows you how results shape everything. Suddenly, you're, you know, Waterford going in, complete dead rubber. Okay, you can say the same with Tip last year. But, you know, the Munster Championship definitely hasn't caught fire like it did 12 months ago. I don't know. That's probably the nature of the round-robin beast, you know. Well, I think there's been two standout things there, Frank, that Tip have been so good. Yeah. And Waterford have been so poor. Yeah. So that's affected the one. The one result in, in Munster. I, I wasn't that surprised that Cork beat Limerick. I was surprised by what I saw in Ennis on Sunday because I did not see Tip going in and winning by thirteen points. But like Tip are really impressive, and they've put Clare in a tricky, tricky situation now. Clare have two games to go, and they could knock Limerick out of the championship next Sunday, which is a really that's going to concentrate Limerick minds um, because on the head to head, if if Clare beat them, that's it. That's curtains for Limerick. Um, so that could be an epic match yet. You know, I, I still think the Munster, the Munster Championship can still catch fire. Yeah, Brendan, on Limerick, I guess, there's only so much you can read into their performance against Waterford, given how poor they were. But it was very important for them to bounce back, you know, emphatically after that surprise defeat to Cork. Um, and they did that, at least. Yeah, they did. In fairness to Limerick, they did exactly. And John Kiley touched on that after the game about the score difference, either for and against. You know, they were very efficient the way they put war for the way the subs that came on were fantastic as well. They showed a real drive and passion. They were set up absolutely perfect and they drew Watford back out the pitch, even against the wind. Um, you know, the way they were pinging the ball around the place, the, the skills are back with Keane Lynch in the middle of the field, tapping the ball around the place like a, a wizard again. So they probably have found a bit of their mojo. Now, having said that, Clare will obviously have a lot more physicality and an awful lot more organised, we'll say, coming uh, into the Gaelic grounds next weekend. But Limerick are, you'd say, are nearly off the life support machine if they were ever on such a thing. And uh, I still think they'll have enough to be player this weekend. And uh, because it's all on the line and uh, they don't become a bad team after that cock game, I think they were kind of a bit cold going into that. But they'll certainly be angry and fiery in their own backyard and have enough to beat Limerick or beat player. And yeah, Brennan, just to, to discuss the John McDonough Cup with you briefly, obviously he doesn't get a whole pile of coverage, but it's been, you know, pretty riveting stuff this year. You know, even at the weekend, Antrim beating Offaly, who are now in grave danger of going into the Christie ring. I know Kerry, obviously, are in contention of both going up or going down as well, so it's been really exciting. Yeah, it's a real knife-edge stuff, there's no doubt about that, and it's great that the GEA uh, now have the, have the games all been shown live, so watch the Antrim game at the weekend against Offaly. Antrim go eight points up, 
looks like that Offaly are, are going to get a, a bit of a beating. And uh, but uh, you know, in fairness, Offaly they came back, you know, and got a, a got a goal and a couple of points, and only two points in at the finish. So this weekend now, yeah, Leash come down to Tralee. Uh, Eddie Brennan's team have two wins out of two, and if if Kerry can beat Leash, you know, it really puts it puts Offaly into the Christie ring. So for the first time in a long while, Offaly supporters are going to be hoping that Leash win a hurling match. But outside of that, Westmead has to travel up to play Antrim, and if Westmead lose to Antrim, Antrim in the final. So it's still a huge amount to play for. And if obviously if Kerry lose this weekend to, to Leash, it's a relegation final then below in Tralee the following weekend when when Offaly come to town. So it it just shows I think that the tiered structure of the hurling championship is absolutely perfect. There's the, the prizes are great if you win, but the trap door is huge if you lose. Going down to the Christie Ring isn't a place that any one of the hurling teams want to be if they feel they have ambitions of keeping themselves in the in the higher end of of championship. So it is it's it really is all to play for. And, and again, like I said, it really shows that if you have a tiered structure that's correct and everybody buys into it it helps team progress like Carlo and Christy Ring two years ago won it then they win the John McDonough last year and, and then they're in the Leinster Hurling Championship proper so it gives you a time and a chance to build but if you're like Offaly on the, on the downward side at the moment and we'll only say at the moment um, you know there are huge consequences for not playing well well lots of stuff to play for across both championships Brendan thanks so much for joining us no problem at all. Thanks, guys. Yes, yeah, so Vincent, it was an interesting week weekend in Joe McDonough action and we have Michael Verney and he's always allowed to, to talk about Offaly because he says the story is the teams that are beating them but it is hard not to, to look at where they are now on the precipice of dropping into the Christie ring which, you know, it was a disaster when they went to the Joe McDonough. Like, to go to the Christie ring would be, like, like what would that be crazy? Yeah, well, look, I don't pretend to be an expert and I haven't seen any of the, the Joe McDonough hurling but, uh, like, I just thought it was a very strange decision to get rid of Kevin Martin mid-championship. And, you know, again, I go back to this argument about is it an easy option for players to say the manager isn't working? You, you go back to that opening league game last year against Dublin in Crow Park and, and the emotion of former Offaly players like Michael Dignan and Dahi Regan at seeing an Offaly team that they felt was a representation of Kevin Martin as a manager. And it's just gone pear-shaped so badly since. And there is a feeling that, uh, you know, serious questions should be asked to the county board rather than individual managers and that. And Joachim Kelly is a great hurling man and he's gone in there. And But it seems to me that it's too late to put in a, a new manager midstream and they're really struggling now. And if, if they go down to Christy Ring, it's, it's frightening for Offaly Hurling. It's hard to know how to dig themselves out of that. I think I read a hard-to-fathom stat there in the last week or two that Offaly, have, Offaly Hurlers have won as many matches in Crow Park in the last season and a half as they have at home because they won that one match against Dublin back whenever. I think they've only won one home match possibly since then. So that tells you what you are. I mean, 21 years ago, uh, Offaly changed managers famously <laughs> mid-summer, but there were such different circumstances. I mean, it was the most talented group of hurlers the county has ever yeah. produced some of them were coming towards the end game but they still had a huge amount to offer and they had the motivation then as well and, and we all know what happened um, I think I wouldn't even say the players I think the county board are are the ones who deserve most of a kicking really on this because mm. they have overseen everything over the last so many years and the only reason I say the players Frank is because there's no way the county board would have shafted Kevin Martin without the backing of that dressing room. There's no way they would have done that in isolation. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, you know, the managers have been coming and going 
uh, out of O'Connor Park hurling managers for the last so many years. You know, they last a year for whatever reason. Either they're they're said good luck or they walk away in frustration. Uh, and you know, Offaly have produced some of the finest facilities in the last few years. O'Connor Park is, a, is now a wonderful provincial venue. It's one of the best in the country. Faithful fields, the faithful superb, fields. Yeah. They have that, but um, I don't know. Has the eye been taken off the ball in terms of, you know, c- delivering a, a conveyor belt of talent? Obviously, it has because their underage record has been very poor for the last decade and more, going back to nearly two thousand, I think. Um, but you know what I mean. The, the, there's been turmoil in Offaly nearly once a year. It could be a football manager walks for whatever reason, or something happens. Or it happens with the hurling. So, I mean, it's a surprise, but maybe it's not that big of a surprise. Do you know, Westmeads, counties like that have been beating Offaly at underage level at different stages for the last few years. Oh, Westmead time, yeah. hammered yeah. Offaly uh, in the Leinster preliminary uh, group two years ago. Do you know, so um, maybe it maybe it needs them to go down to the Christian Ring Cup, but the danger then is will they ever even, you know, be able to climb back out of it? And just before we move on to the football, you were at Carlo Dublin as well, the, the one Leinster game this weekend. Uh, you know, Dublin won pretty comfortably in the end. Uh, anything of interest to come out of it? Uh, Dublin played uh Dublin played quite well. They were they were well organised, their use of the use of the ball was good. Matty Kenny would have been happy with how they kind of moved the ball through the lines at different stages. Uh Carlo were Carlo weren't at I wouldn't say Carlo weren't at their best. Carlo's marquee forwards were very well very well handled by the Dublin defence. I mean, every time I see Owen O'Donnell, I think, wow, what a player. Uh, he was, for the most part, brilliant again, bar one goal chance got in behind him. Uh, Paddy Smith is a, is emerging, uh, developing into a really top cornerback as well. And, uh, I mean, up front, they were pretty efficient. I mean, probably the most, the best thing for them to come out of it, I'd say, was Eamon Dillon's form because um, he took his two goals brilliantly. He got a couple of points from play, set up another few, and he just looked razor sharp which he didn't in Kilkenny uh, three or four weeks before that and like Dylan is one of those Dublin forwards they don't not every Dublin forward has that kind of cut about him pace lightning pace and you know when he gets it and he gets it gets a, a yard on his man he's he's looking for goal nearly and and they will need that because they probably haven't been scoring enough goals I don't think that's probably one of the weaknesses that they have it gives Dublin a, kind of two weeks now to target that Galway game and like you referred to about Limerick earlier the All-Ireland finalists from last year both teams could be facing elimination Absolutely and I, and I think that game has concentrated Galway's minds from the start of this championship and my understanding is they're going to try to get Joe Canning back for that game because they've they've certainly looked very listless in this championship and, and the lack of leadership in that Galway attack I totally agree with Frank you look at the likes of Owen O'Donnell what a player Sean Moran, Chris Crummy, uh, Paddy Smith. Like defensively, Dublin, in my view, are as good as anything out there. We've been looking for that marquee forward, the goal getter, and Eamon Dillon has threatened this for a few years. Now he's done it against Carlo. If he starts doing it against the bigger teams, Dublin will frighten anybody. But that game in Parnell Park is—it's going to be a humdinger, and it's—it's it's a game that I would have said Michal Donoghue, if he was given a choice of picking venues to go where you need to survive, you need to stay in this championship, going to Parnell Park with a Joe Canning who's a wizard but can't be match fit. It's a, it's a huge ask. Harry Kane, is it? <laughs> 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 but I, I was actually, 
because I was at the match and literally afterwards and I was hammering out reports for the Indo and the Herald and then it nearly kind of hit me. Uh, someone asked the question, I presume like if, um, you know, if Dublin beat Galway, they're through. And, and then I just looked at the table and there is a not totally implausible sequence of results that could leave a four-way tie in that group. If, uh, work this out, if Galway beat Kilkenny this weekend, Wexford beat Carlow, which they should, and going into the final weekend, if Wexford draw with Kilkenny and Wexford Park, which could easily happen, and Dublin beat Galway, you have four teams on five points. Scoring difference then comes into it. And that's yeah. where Galway might live to rue the fact that they only beat Carlow by six points. It's, it's also something that has to concentrate Davey Fitz's mind this weekend. Probably you've got to go for the juggler against Carlo and, and try to put up a big score in case that scenario does present itself. Like, and this game this weekend, Kilkenny against Galway. Like, I think Michal Donoghue's got to be saying, lads, we're being depicted as a one-man band here. And, you know, is there anything in us? I have a funny feeling, even though Kilkenny... We're seeing the likes of Killian Buckley nearly back. You know, Richie Hogan played a game, club game. James Maher is back. Joey Holden, I think, is back. All of a sudden, here's Kilkenny on maximum points, and these players are coming back to fitness. And and the old Brian Cody thing, he's he's nearly done it again. If they if they win on Sunday night, they're back in another Leinster final. I just have an inkling that Galway will go down there and and, and do a number on Kilkenny because they have to show something. Well, there's a lot to play for in the hurting. We'll move on to football now in the throw and in association with Board Gosh Energy. And I guess after last weekend when you had Mayo Ross Common and a couple of interesting football games, they were, it was kind of back in the shadows this week, but at least Keen O'Neill was kind enough to give us some kind of interesting quotes after uh, Kildare beat Longford 118 to 10 points. Frank, you were writing about it today in the Herald, and I know Dunnick Boyle was there for the Irish Independent, where he bullishly said maybe accidentally that Kildare will beat Dublin in the Leinster semi-final this Sunday and you know they will perform so it was it was huge talk from the manager it's funny actually uh, by chance I, I, I met Dunica at uh, an event in Crow Park this morning and he played me back the tape because it was People I was there, I was was there thinking like <laughs> did he did he mean to say it or whatever well, he was asked a question about you know would it be happy you know more or less that would it be I'm paraphrasing here would it be happy to go up and deliver a good performance against Dublin the next day and he said no no not at all and he said we're going to win that match we're going to perform and that's how he said it um, uh, my take I suppose look a manager has to you know before every game you have to be bullish to an extent if Keane O'Neill is playing the poor mouth before the face mm. Dublin in Crow Park well what's the point what are the players going to say the flip side of that is that you know we've seen this time and time again over the last few years where you know, a manager will say, look, we're going to do what we can. We're going to run Dublin close. We're going to try this, that and the other. And then we all troop down to the uh, the the media auditorium in the bowels of the Hogan stand. And the manager there is talking about this chasm in class. And, you know, we've got to do something for the weaker counties, which is like every other county in Leinster at this stage. Do you know, and and that's it's just there's nothing you can see on the pitch of the last two years to suggest that Kildare can push Dublin close, whatever about beating them. Well, it's year. funny, I think you wrote in your piece that Dublin are, were listed at 1-100 to 100 to win the game. They've come into 1-80, to 80, so I guess some money is coming on Kildare anyway, Vincent. But uh, what did you make of Keanu Deal's uh, comments? It, at least it, it shows some level of confidence from his part. I, I suspect he meant we're going to try to win the game. I think that's what he was trying to convey. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe the more coherent quotes were from Owen Doyle the captain afterwards who who spoke about the inconsistency of this Kildare team which is to be frank quite head wrecking and and you think of 
the momentum they seem to get with the Newbridge or Nowhere thing last year and beating Mayo and, and you're kind of thinking now and this guy Keane O'Neill came out of it very impressively and, and, and you, now he has the attention of his players kick on and they haven't kicked on and you know they, the way they nearly blew it against Wicklow and like you look at them last, last Sunday and, and was it nine wides in the first half including a 13 metre free straight in front of the post there, there's something in these players that they're just not kicking on and, and when you think of the underage success they've had and some of them being coveted by other codes abroad and they should be much better than they are. And I I actually think with their athleticism and their footballing ability, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Dublin problems for about 40 minutes this yeah. weekend. They're, they're, they're able to do that. I, I can't see them winning it because Dublin are so patient in these games and Dublin will see it out. Um, I just think maybe Keane O'Neill meant we're going to try to win it. Hmm. I don't think... I don't think he, he's even he is that kind of mind guru that he's trying to tell his players we're going to beat the dubs. Yeah, I, I, I do half agree, but that, that's almost like what I would read it. And, uh, no, I even haven't listened to it. That's what he said, but I would be thinking that's surely what he was thinking. And in fairness, this is in the first flush of victory, like they've just beaten Longford. He's saying what he said, but the the thing that strikes me about Kildare is that I think they were at their peak nearly two years ago. They they steamrolled Mead in the Leinster semi final, went in and played Dublin, coughed up two really cheap, costly goals in the first 15 minutes, and they were chasing the game from there. But they chased it quite brilliantly for the next half hour and more. Do you know, they, they brought it back to maybe four points or something at half time. Daniel Flynn missed Daniel Flynn one, goal yeah. chance in the third quarter that would have brought them right back into it. They eventually lost by nine points, but that was the first time Dublin had not recorded a double-digit victory uh, in the Leinster Championship since, I think, the 2013 Leinster final. You know, they play, you know, they, they, they were on a run of form then. Last year, in a way, Newbridge or Nowhere rescued their season. It gave them, a, you know, a cause celebre at a point when they were really struggling. You know, they'd lost to Carlo a few weeks before that and just got by Longford, I think, mm. maybe the, the previous qualifier game. Do you know, and, it, and it, it reignited them. But, you know, their form right through this year's league, you touched upon their inconsistency. Keane O'Neill is forever saying that after matches, talking about their inconsistency. And he was saying it to me after the drawn match in Longford. Uh, and that, in a way, that game summed up the, the summed up this Kildare team. They had Longford beaten around three times and they came within the width of a shaking upright at the end of normal time of losing it. You know, they, they raced four points clear in the first 15 minutes. Longford pulled them back. They went seven up in the second early in the second half. Longford pulled them back. They went three up again <laughs> into the wind at the start of extra time and Longford pulled them back, you know. So uh, it's just delivering that 70-minute performance that Keane O'Neill would love to see. Yeah, I like to have done a good while for him as one of the GA's glorious mysteries and uh, yeah. their, their inconsistency and their, how they're swinging. Uh, we have another Kerry Cork Munster final in, in the offing. I don't know if the result will be any different from the last few years where Kerry have hammered them. But at least from Cork's perspective, they went in maybe somewhat vulnerable after their, their very poor league. Limerick had you know, played really well to beat Tip, but Cork had that game done and dusted after a couple of minutes. And then for Kerry, they had a huge lead. We're pegged back a small bit at the end, but we're still very, very comfortable. You know, Anything of interest there for, for you over the weekend? Well, I suppose it's... I can't imagine Kerry are best pleased to only win the game by six points, having been, you know, the game... I don't know what they were up at halftime. They were nine up, and I think they moved 12 up after that. Uh, Cork... 
there there are signs that they're starting to move better. Like there have been reports pre-championship of them going very well in a couple of challenge matches, one against Dublin as well. I, no one could quite tell me the result of the game, but apparently they played really well and there were promising signs there. Uh, and then, you know, all the talk before that game was of, you know, what Limerick had done to tip and, you know, here we are, Ambush City, but uh, ambushes, they never happen when people are talking about them in advance, really. My, my slight fear for Cork is that people suddenly start thinking, God, we're back here now, we can give Cork a real rattle in, or give Kerry a real rattle in, in Porky Keeve in the Munster final. But, you know, they were talking the same last year after they beat Tipwell yeah, as well, and yeah. look what happened. So... I mean, they, they really downed tools last year against Kerry. Now, that's the one thing that if I was Ronan McCarthy, I'd be saying, do you know what? We owe it to ourselves now. We 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 were shameful. The and they beat. scored two goals in the first like 10 minutes, so the perfect start a- for an ambush. Yeah. And then still got beaten out the gate. Absolutely. Um, now, I would have to say I, I can't see them beating Kerry, but it means at least it's set up for them to put in a performance after what they did last year. As you say, the two early goals and then just the moment Kerry kind of nailed a goal, it's like the heads went down. And if you look at Cork's body language in the last 15 minutes of that game, it was shameful. I've, it's as bad as and I've it, seen. Well, it's very hard to get up for a round four qualifier if you get beaten out the gate that badly. Well, so like, a good is, performance will set them up well. Uh, that's what Cork have to do. Because yeah. if you look back last year, they lost Kerry by 17 points. Mm. With a, I'm not saying they weren't six points up, but the, the two-goal head start effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a week or two later, they lost to Toronto by 16 points and they were every bit as bad in that mm. game. So... When they faced the two All-Ireland contenders, they lost by 33 points. And that, maybe even more so than being relegated to Division 3 uh, this spring, showcased how far Cork had fallen. And, and you know, there's no way they should be there. And I don't think they'll be there for that long either. Mm. But, you know, if they produce a performance against Kerry uh, and win, the, the key then for them is winning that Round 4 qualifier because they're in their Super 8s. And that has to be a huge thing I mean, I mean, there's no group in football, more maligned, more criticised, more condemned in many ways than the Cork footballers. And they're now in a Munster final. It's in Parky Keeve. It's against a team that danced all over them last year. And a, and a team that we have seen still have questions to answer defensively. I think one big positive for, for, for Peter Keane would be James O'Donoghue's performance because we haven't seen... James O'Donoghue flying since 2014 probably when did he score seven points from play in the Munster final against oh, Cork think, yeah no. so he just destroyed them so I think he picked up an injury at the weekend though, the uh, yeah, yeah now I see him holding his hamstring was it a hamstring injury was yeah, it? yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll be fit I still think even without James O'Donoghue Kerry will win that game but it's all about the attitude and the manner of Cork in that in that Munster final for me mm. The, the issue for Kerry, it's it's going to be as the season unfolds, how their defence performs really, and the work ethic. We we talked about Tipperary's work work ethic. I mean that has to be a huge thing, if only to protect their defence as well. Because you you list through their forward line. Uh, I mean obviously the Clifford Ganey and O'Donoghue in the full forward line. If they stay fit, if they get a supply of ball, you know we all know what they can do. Sean O'Shea was, um, you know had a very very good league campaign, prolific from freeze. You know he is he is definitely bedded in as a senior senior footballer, and I would say Stephen O'Brien was nearly the most consistent performer of the league as well. So they have it all there. The question marks are over their defence. I mean, it's been there for several years. Yeah. Uh, Peter Crowley doing his crucial 
definitely hasn't helped matters there. No, but but I, and this is a point that Tomás O'Shea makes constantly. When you talk about their defence, it has to start with number 15. This yeah. is what I was saying about tip hurlers. It has to start with that full forward line and, and gorgeous footballers. Mm. Exactly what you said. But they've got to work back. And, and the whole ethic of bringing Donny Buckley in there and, mm. and having this high tackling rate right up the field, like that's what Kerry need. And, and like when you have forwards like those, if they have that high work rate up the field and they're hard to play against, then I'd give them a chance of being right in there yeah. this year. And in fairness, the league game against Dublin in Tralee back in February, we saw that. I mean, it was an absolutely fabulous contest, but it was frenzied. It was full on, and Kerry were working their socks off. They still coughed up a couple of goals, and people were saying, "Ooh, the you know the man on man, they were beaten too easily for that." But Dublin will do that to teams. Mm. They still got a win, and that has to be the template for Kerry. And that was what was lacking when it mattered when it came when they went in against Galway on a miserable Super Eight stay here back in July last year. Do you know they weren't at that level. Um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how Kerry evolve. I think over the summer. Mm. Well, I think we've just run out of time to talk about Armagh's Cavan, but I'll give our Rising Stars Award in association with Board Gosh Energy to Jolly Oak Burns to make up for it. So Vincent, Frank, uh, and Brendan earlier, thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure, Will. thank you. That's all we have time for in the throne this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another great podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.